Welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. A big hello to anyone who's been binge listening from episode one. It's episode 14 now. You're approaching 11 hours of audio. If you've been listening solidly for the last 10 and a half hours straight, enjoy the ride. There is more to come. Don't stop now. As for the rest of you, show some dedication, please. Allow me to introduce my special guest, the actor, and um, well, that's all he is, I suppose. He's just an actor and award-winning, yeah, uh, award-winning actor, Oscar-winning, no, the Oscar-losing actor, Benedict Cumberbatch, ladies and gentlemen. He's here in my little makeshift studio in Manchester, but as you know, if you'd have listened to the last edition, I've agreed to have him on the show on the understanding that he doesn't speak. <gasps> Bless you. So, now that I've introduced our guest, I'm going to completely ignore him for the remainder of the show, but he is here. <gasps> oh, as you can no doubt hear. I should have put a sneezing ban in place as well, but that's not actually specified on the terms of our written agreement, so what can you do? Anyway, Benedict is clearly very happy to be here. He's got a big smile on his face, grinning from ear to ear. It's like babysitting a six-year-old boy and taking him to meet what he believes is a real Transformer, but it's actually just a student on minimum wage in a foam suit. Oh, you like that analogy, do you, Benedict? Have I said something amusing? We'll never know, will we? So thank you all very much for all the negative feedback this podcast has been receiving lately. Um, Panda Boy says everything about this podcast is wrong. The music, the presenter, the name, the fact that there's no overarching theme. Pants. Don't ever go at the music, Panda Boy. I'd like to see you do better. Edwina says, great tunes, counteracted by the ramblings of a deluded fool. Now that's a little more even-handed, thank you, thank you for that. Henry says, Frank Burton's short stories are the oral equivalent of raw sewage. Can I quote you on that? I'm thinking of getting some flyers printed. Rupert in Toronto says, absolute world class, great music and a great presenter who offers fascinating insights into the lives of his listeners. Shut up Rupert, get with the programme. Everyone hates Ragbag, it's official. I have listened to your constructive criticisms and I will be making no changes to the show whatsoever, right?
This edition is sponsored by the City of Birmingham, right here in the United Kingdom. Ever been to Birmingham, Benedict? No? Well, there's lots of things to do there. Visit Cadbury World. Visit the Bullring Shopping Centre. Visit the National Sea Life Centre. Visit Birmingham, UK. I'm sure the other Birminghams in the world are fine as well, but uh, they're not paying me money. And it's just as well that the Birmingham Tourist Board got in touch because, let's face it, the advertiser for the last edition was a bit weird, even by ragbag standards. As I said, they paid me a ton of money, but I had to discontinue our relationship. Firstly, because I was getting a phenomenal amount of support from some very strange people. 
people who I know for a fact have never listened to this show. And it's one thing to grow your audience, and it's another thing to temporarily attract complete oddballs. I'll give you an example. George Patriot on Twitter says, Thank you, Frank Burton, for finally, block capitals, finally, saying what our kind have been banned, caps again, from saying, since the PC Liberals seized power. Let's examine that statement, George. What I said, or what I was paid to say, was, this edition is dedicated to the most neglected, despised and discriminated against group in our society today, white, middle-class, heterosexual, able-bodied, cisgendered men. Now, I don't really know what any of that means, but judging by the look on Benedict's face right now, it's not good, George, okay? Bless you. But I don't believe you've been somehow banned from saying these things, Mr. Patriot. And I know that because I have read your Twitter feed and you have basically written an exact paraphrase of that statement every single day for the last eight years. Who's censoring you exactly? I'm afraid I've got no choice but to issue you with a fine. If you haven't heard the last edition, let me explain. This is a thing we're doing now. If a listener steps out of line, they're subject to a financial penalty. It's as simple as that, but it's all very fairly done. The amount the perpetrator has to pay is based on their estimated income. I've been doing a little checking up, and George Patriot, which I'm starting to suspect is not your real name, Ironically, for someone who uses the Union flag as their profile picture, George actually works in Moscow, doing some kind of administrative position for the Russian government. I'm not too sure what the estimate for that is, so £50, George, PayPal. I expect a prompt response, thank you. You're very good at responding to things. I know that about you. Things that you put me through 
much to say, but the words of the lovers do. Made out of blossoming violet skies. This world's all in wait, but it is made for you and I. Cause there's nothing much to take. But you're willing at your brain. And there's nothing much to choose. But it's made for you and I Filled with tongues so we can try I know it isn't much to say
Hey, this is Corey from the Convince Us podcast, the show where two normal guys who are also best friends take a critical and entertaining look into the world of conspiracy theories. Each week we cover questions like, is the world ran by a small group of lizard people? Does Queen Elizabeth stay healthy by eating human flesh? Is the earth flat? Well, no, it's not, obviously. It's a globe. But anyway, check out the Convince Us podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and any podcast application you may be using. That hairy guy playing Game Boy in your carpool? He's really just a werewolf. The pale kid that keeps staring at you on the bus. What if I told you he was a ghost? And your soul-sucking significant other that won't let you play video games? Total Vampire. Hello gamers, I'm Tim Gibson, host of the Cabinet Podcast. Escape the monsters in your life by listening to The Cabinet. The Cabinet covers the best in ghost stories, creepypastas, and urban legends from the world of video games. A new, short, weird story drops every two weeks on Wednesdays. So listen, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other major podcasting platforms. Oh, and give a hand to the zombie playing Dance Dance Revolution. Thanks for listening, gamers.
My dad used to go fishing on a Sunday. He worked six days a week, long hours as well, so Sundays were my one opportunity to spend any time with him. My mum often hinted that one day he might take me with him on one of his fishing trips. But my dad seemed pretty resistant to the idea. Trust me, he said. You'll be bored out of your mind. It's an old man's game. I was suitably put off by this, but my mum insisted it was important for the two of us to bond. And so, one Sunday, shortly after I turned 12, my dad took me down to the lake. He showed me how to set up the rods and bait the hook. Do you think we're going to catch anything? I said. My dad shook his head. Catching fish is not the point of this exercise for me. What's it about then? I said. He said it's about being still and being silent. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure there even are any fish in this lake. I never catch any anyway. I said, right, so what do we do now? Now, we sit here, my dad said. I sat beside him, staring at the surface of the water. I spy, I said. Shh, he said. This is about being still and silent. I sat beside him, examining the patterns in the light ripples below. I thought about how my dad had described fishing as an old man's game, and for the first time in my life I had a real insight into what it might be like to be old. I liked it. I listened to the breeze and I liked it. I embraced the unchanging face of nature. We had no religion, but by the end of the day, I felt like a monk who'd made his peace with the heavens. Having caught nothing as expected, we packed the gear back into the car. I hope that wasn't too disappointing for you, said my dad. At least you have an insight into what I get up to on a Sunday. An insight, I said. That's putting it mildly. I feel like I've had an insight into the universe. The silence, the stillness, the pure tranquility of this place. I can't wait until next week. God, are you serious? My dad snaps. Of course, 
You're supposed to be bored out of your skull, he said. What's wrong with you? Nothing, I said. I feel fantastic. You don't get it, do you? My dad hissed at me. I don't come here for the stillness or the silence or the tranquility. I come here to get away from you. There was a different kind of silence in the car on the way home. I'm sorry, my dad said as we parked up on the driveway and left it at that. My mum's eyes lit up as she saw the two of us arriving home together. Boys, she greeted us. How is your father's unbonding time? Boring, I said.
Now Stella has been back in touch. Stella! Now there's a film I have seen, Benedict. <laughs> you must have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Stella! What's it called? What? A Streetcar Named Desire. No, that's not the film I'm thinking of. You must know the one. Stella! No? Anyway, Stella, I can't believe this. I gave Stella some advice in the last edition about breaking the habit of feeling guilty when you've done nothing wrong. My advice was counteract that pattern by doing something wrong and feeling good about it. And the example that popped into my head, and for some reason I also said it out loud, was cut down your next door neighbour's apple tree and set it on fire. Feel good about that. You know what, Benedict? It just so happens that her next door neighbour does have an apple tree and she went and did it. I was not expecting that, Stella. You didn't seem like the sort of person who'd embrace change in their lives quite so easily, but you've done it and I congratulate you. Stella says, in many ways, it was a cowardly sociopathic act, but it was so empowering I really do owe you a debt of gratitude. Pleasure is all mine, Stella. That made my day. <coughs> Kevin in Barnoldswick says, I took on board your advice in the last edition. Uh, hang on, it wasn't directed at you, Kevin. I often feel guilty for no reason, and your strategy really resonated with me. Again, it's not my strategy, okay, or yours. It's Stella's strategy. That was a personalised recommendation for that one individual. Kevin continues, It just so happens that my next door neighbour also has an apple tree. I chopped it down and set fire to it. And I've never felt so good about myself. What are you playing at, Kevin? Not only have you broken the law, which I would never advocate doing. Secondly, it's utterly barbaric. Go to the police, confess to your crime, and while you're at it, there's a small matter of the fine I'm imposing upon you. £400. I don't care if you're unemployed, PayPal that across to me now. Raj in Mumbai says, I love mangoes. Each week I make a massive bulk order, always more than I'll ever manage to eat. You could say I'm mango insane. I can see what you're trying to do there, my good friend. Um, it almost makes a serviceable pun, but Benedict didn't laugh and he seems to find everything funny. He laughs at me when I'm being serious. I know what you want anyway, and there comes a time in the life of any podcast host when you have to weigh up your options. Use the catchphrase that you like, but no one else seems to, or keep on repeating the one that people seem to like. On this occasion, I'll go with a popular vote. Shout out to Raj in Mumbai. There's purchasing mangoes for your own personal use, and there's stockpiling mangoes. What you are doing, my good friend, is stockpiling mangoes. What are you playing at? What do you know 
But wait, hang on, wait, hang on, sorry. I just realised. <laughs> Benedict is sitting there wearing a t-shirt with the words, What do you know that we don't know on it? Have you been wearing that the whole time? <laughs> where, where, where did you get that? What, did you have it specially made? That's unbelievable. I should get into the whole merchandising thing, shouldn't I? Bless you. Have you got hay fever or something, Benedict? No? Any allergies you're aware of? And you don't have a cold? Stop sneezing. Raj, by the way, has added a PS. I enjoyed the orange special. You should do mango next time. As I've said before, mate, I'm not going to do that. Don't try and second guess which direction this cultural typhoon will blow next. Just wait and see, there is more in store, okay? Monica in Amsterdam has been in touch to say, I can't believe you don't know what a millennial is. Where have you been? Do not underestimate the depths of my ignorance in these areas, Monica. It truly knows no bounds. Anyway, I looked up the term out of interest. I still don't really understand what it means. From what I can gather, it's a term that applies to anyone who was born after about 1980 or something. That's a lot of different people, guys. I don't see how it's useful to have a word for that. What do you reckon, Benedict? Uh, Benedict, for the record, agrees with me. That's two against one. At least. When were you born, by the way? 1976, nice. You've been looking after yourself. I mean this sincerely, my friend. You don't look a day older than 41. Oh boy. 
Lennon. That's it. Many thanks to my guest, Benedict Cumberbatch. He contributed nothing just like I asked him to, a consummate professional. Might need some antihistamines next time. Details of all the music played, as ever, can be found at frankburton.co.uk. Buy my book, A History of Sarcasm, and maybe if Benedict passes me on the details of his t-shirt supplier... We'll work on releasing some merch as well. Although, nah, can't be bothered with all that. See you soon. Thanks a lot. Yeah. No, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, mate. No, I'm, I am, I'm not, I'm not definitely going to guarantee that you'll be welcome back, you know, without first having some assurance that you're not going to sneeze your head off the entire time. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just being fair to you at the end of the day. It is really distracting. Okay. Also, I mean, what would you do if you came back? Just sit there again. Because that's what you did the first time and you know people are just going to expect 
the, the whole point of the show is kind of expect the unexpected. So if you come back and just sit there again, that that would be the expected thing to do. So that's a problematic in its own way. Um, also, I mean, I don't want to go on about this, but I can't be expected to work around your schedule. You know, I suspect you're a busier man than I am, but also, I don't want to set a precedent for, for me having guests on. Because if I have you on again, I'll almost be morally obliged to say yes to Steve Buscemi, or yes to, what's her name, that, that one with the weird hat. Yeah, Kate Winslet, exactly. It'll start getting way out of hand, right? Yeah, yes, 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 mate. You people are all talking about helping to popularise the show. It's not supposed to be popular, right? It's supposed to be a thing that only a few people know about, and the ones that know about it like it because it's their like special, like secret thing. If you start going on about it, you know, you and your celebrity mates, it's going to ruin the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, how did you actually find out about this in the first place, Benedict? Who? 